1: Texarkana, where you at? Joe plays board games all the time. OG still works the daily grind. Roundtable views don't always align, but help financial peace of mind. Suzanne's HR skills for the win. Doug is in my cookie tin. PK's attacking Jim again. All on stacking Benjamins. Stack, stack, stack. Stacking Benjamins. Stack, 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 stacking Benjamins. Kicking it all the way from the 212 to the 903 430.
2: Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and we got a, you know, we got a halfway decent show for you today. It, it's pretty good. It's I'd say solid, you know. Actually, it's pretty freaking amazing. Joe's mom's bacon cookies. We're almost up to 40 degrees here down in the basement. And today, we're gonna talk about ways to stop spending so much money. Here to help us, we welcome the author of the 30-day money cleanse, the fiscal femme herself, Ashley Feinstein Gerstley. And to help her, say hello to the woman behind Afford Anything, Paula Pant. Plus, from Lenpenzo.com, it's Tim Cook. Nah, he's busy duct tape and Apple stock back together. It's just Penzo. And in our Friday FinTech segment, we'll talk to Deanne O'Donovan from AHP Servicing, a company helping people who are struggling with their mortgages to find ways to stay in their homes. Of course, we'll still throw out the magnify money lifeline to a lucky caller and answer a letter from the mailbag. And now, because what's a weekend without some money talk to kick it off? I would call that a good weekend, actually. Joe Saul you Absolutely,
0: money nerds. We got to kick off a weekend with some awesome money talk. Isn't the way everybody starts off their weekend? Hey there, I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And we have a band of merry people on my dad's uh, shortwave. Let's start in the desert where I believe we have Paula Pant standing by.
3: Yeah, I jumped the gun a little bit. I tried to say hello before you started recording.
0: I know you're you're saying hi to Doug, which we we all know is a big mistake.
3: But now that we are rolling... Hello. Hello. Happy New Paula. Year.
0: Happy New Year to you. It's funny. We're three weeks into the new year and we're still saying Happy New Year. What's up with that? Uh, happy almost February. Do you write any checks anymore? Occasionally I do. I actually just wrote a check yesterday. So, like a physical paper check. So when are you going to have to stop writing 2018 and crossing it off on your checks? Like what month uh, does that happen? Geez,
3: yeah, probably by
0: December. Right. <laughs> and a guy who's still writing 1992 on his checks
4: from a bunker... <laughs> Deep underneath <laughs> Los Angeles, it's Mr. Len penzo You know, I've been writing checks since they. We use stones and chisels. I used to chisel my checks. That's how old I am, Joe.
0: While you snowshoed through
4: what three feet, four feet of snow? Yep, absolutely. Uh, uphill, uphill and downhill. Ways. Yeah. You know, honestly though, I haven't written a check. I swear, I have not written a check. I don't think in probably fifteen years. I think the honeybee has done has written every check in the last 15 years.
0: So you're not saying that you're up with
4: technology. You're saying
0: you, del- <laughs> you delegated it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Len Penzo's idea of fintech. We handed it, hand it to somebody else. That's so great. Welcome to 1987, Len. Yeah, thanks. That's, Thank that's fantastic. And here to save the show this Friday... We're so happy she's here from, I believe, Hoboken, New Jersey. It is Ashley Feinstein-Gersley.
5: Guys, you got it. Hi.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. I only stumbled a little bit. Steve's going to make it sound all pretty. So that's good. How are you? I'm great. great. Well, we know great. you as the fiscal femme. Tell everybody about your new book. Congratulations, by the way. Thank
5: you so much. The book is The 30-Day Money Cleanse. In it, we don't talk about writing checks, but I still do, even in Hoboken in 2019, (laughs) every two weeks. And the book's all around living better, so having a more meaningful life while saving more money.
0: January, it's a good time for a money cleanse, isn't it? I mean, getting new habits, new, new year? Yes. What made you decide to write a book about a money cleanse? Was it because of the fact that you did a money cleanse and it worked for you? Tell me the genesis of the book.
5: Yes. The Genesis, long story short, I needed it myself. It was funny. I was noticing. So I needed I needed help with my own money. And when I was working with people, I noticed some of the same patterns over and over. And I had some of my friends over to brainstorm ideas for a program. And one of my friends kept getting on his phone. I bought them all food. And he's like, oh, I have to report to my food cleanse group that I ate a cupcake And I was like, oh, tell me more about this food cleanse group. I need to understand this. And that's really where it came from.
0: And now you're about to lead uh, Money Cleanse all over the nation, right? You go from bookstore to bookstore, helping people with money cleanses. The Money Cleanse movement, getting it
5: started. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Well, we're so happy you're here with us today. You know what really helps people save a lot of money? What? Art. I don't know if you know this, but saving money in art is, uh, actually it's pretty damn cool. Paula, do you have, uh, what do you got? Dogs playing poker at your house?
3: I've got some pictures that I snapped with my iPhone
0: that I then blew up into an 8x10. Len, you've got high-class art at your house,
4: don't you? (laughs) Uh, You know what? I have no art on my walls whatsoever. (laughs) Zilch, nothing.
3: Oh, 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 let me take that back. I do have one piece that I bought in Columbia for a whopping $40, and it was like the biggest art expense I had ever made, and it terrified me. And what's it worth now?
0: probably $4. That is, <laughs> that is not good. A- Ashley, save us. High-end art at your house?
5: No high-end art, but I love getting pieces of things when I travel. So I have something from Peru that was probably like $60 after a little bartering, and then some masks from different places in South America and Africa, but
4: no idea what they're worth, I'm sure. A mag- do Refrigerator? Do refrigerator magnets count? <laughs> It de- it depends on <laughs> how I got obs- lots of
0: those. <laughs> obscure the collection is. And how big the sucker is who's going to buy it on the other end. But thanks to Masterworks for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Masterworks is the first art investment platform where you're actually not investing in any art that <laughs> apparently Ashley, Len, or Paula would own, <laughs> but you're investing in art by real artists. Do you know, if, if, Have you ever looked at the rate of return, actually, on Fine Art? Masterworks is the first art investment platform that allows you to invest in the world's most valuable paintings. Visit masterworks.io. And reserve your shares Thanks to Masterworks for supporting the show we got a great show today we got Ashley here with us We're going to talk about how to save some money So let's get the party started
5: Hello darlings And now it's time for your favorite part of the show Our Stacking Benjamins Headlines
0: Our headline today comes to us from Budgets are Sexy This is a a piece that uh, our friend Jay Money wrote Back in May But I absolutely loved it He says, want to stop spending money? Get Busy Apparently, Paula, what Jay says is if you just fill your day full of stuff, you won't have time to spend money, which I think in some ways is brilliant.
3: Yes and no. So he is correct in that sometimes people spend out of boredom. And so when you have a big, expansive day and nothing to do with it, you'll fill it by going to a restaurant or going shopping So in that way, sure, busyness can be an antidote to spending. On the other hand, sometimes you are so busy that you end up spending additional money on conveniences, ordering takeout or ordering food delivery, for example. And in that way, being busy can cause you to spend more in order to buy back some time.
0: It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, well, you must see that, Ashley, with your money cleanse, that people work long hours and then... 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Like we <laughs> were still unpacking the basement, and at like nine o'clock at night, we still haven't eaten yet. We're like, "Screw it, let's go out and get something." And all of a sudden, the restaurant budget's blown.
5: Right, I'm starving now. I need something now. Yeah, hundred percent. And I was in the same camp. I really resonated with the story because I was an investment banker, made the big bucks, had no free time, was sacrificing my life and health, and had no time to spend money. So it really wasn't a stressor. And then I switched jobs and had all this time again and wanted to make up for lost time and was spending so much money by keeping busy, but going to restaurants and taking French class, still don't speak any French, uh, <laughs> <laughs> going to workshops <laughs> and just saw my bank account depleting. And then that started me on this journey. But now I'm realizing that I've gone to the other end of the spectrum. And I'm now becoming a workie again, as he calls them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Working all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Len, how about you? In your family, stay busy to stop spending money.
4: Yeah, but you know what I found. So you know, it's been a it's been a few weeks now since the Christmas vacation. But here's what I found. You know, th- the internet has made it easier to spend money. That's another way. If you're if you're on there surfing, because this happened to me. I'm on a break, a two week break from from my job, so I'm on the internet a lot over the Christmas break. And I tell you what, I spent. I mean, just on on myself, I think I spent close to five hundred dollars of just various things shopping while I was. And this is after the Christmas holiday. This is during the period between Christmas and New Year's, and I was spending money. It was so easy, and it really is because I had nothing else to do. So you know, you got to watch that. The internet kind of makes things you know, it makes it harder for you to save if you're not, if you're not watching yourself. So stay busy away from the internet and you're good. Go play some basketball, get out, do something, but stay away from that internet. Absolutely.
5: So easy to spend money. One click. Yeah, it is. It's too, it's too, and
0: you get it.
4: Oh, well, I don't want to get off track, but it's just (laughs) amazing. And you get things within a day. It's just, it's just crazy.
0: I spent 50 bucks today, Len on dartboard supplies.
4: Oh, awesome. Dartboard supplies.
0: What I got done. And I thought, what a waste of money. And I, I, totally, <laughs> I totally should have taken it all back. And I'm like, no, well, I, you know, it's this one-time thing. It's going to make the basement, you know, we need a dartboard down here to, to uh, I, I don't know, put pictures of podcasters we don't like and throw darts at it.
3: You should put the names of individual stocks on the dartboard and then invest in whatever you hit.
0: You know what we should do, Paula? We should put a picture of that damn 8-Ball on the, the dartboard and throw it Hey, hey darts. real quick.
4: You just brought it up, so I have to tell you. Here's one of the things I bought. Ask, ask the 8-Ball a question, Joe.
0: Oh, Ashley, what's a good yes-no question? About anything? Yes, about yeah. anything.
5: Was the dart supply purchase a good purchase?
1: You can rely on that.
5: (laughs) So don't return it.
0: (laughs) And I thought my, that's one of the things I bought. (laughs) (laughs) I thought my purchase was stupid. That is so awesome. I can't wait for next year. Let's just fast forward to next January. That segment. Amazing. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, (laughs) He talks about this. He says, of course, you know, if you get busy doing a bunch of things, the other parts of your life suffer dearly. Friendship, sanity, health again. Why is that always getting in the way? But financially speaking, the more you work, the more you save and earn. You must have found that when you were an investment banker also, Ashley, friendships kind of go out the window as well.
5: Yeah. I used to only be able to make plans with people in at least groups of three so that if I had to cancel on them, they wouldn't be alone. Oh, that's that's (laughs) really (laughs) sad.
3: Smart, actually, that's, that's very, strategic.
0: very thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. Thoughtful of you. I that didn't is, want to leave them out to dry. So that is smart. But when you're thinking about your life that critically, like, like I gotta have somebody else come because I might not make it.
4: You know, I'm really taking a liking to <laughs> Ashley. I mean, she, she she's very thoughtful. She she invites other people to places. She doesn't want to leave anybody hanging. She buys food for people. You know, I mean, what I mean, just.
0: Awesome. It sounds like Len wants to be a mooch over <laughs>
4: like, it. Great. When did I buy food for people? Oh, I thought you said you bought cupcakes or something. Cupcake oh, I did. You're right. I did. <laughs> That's right. In exchange
5: for their brain power, though, it was kind of a trade. So
4: oh, oh it, it well. Was a crap. Bribe. There, there we go. The cupcake
0: Lime bribe back. gets us every time. Uh he says this doesn't mean to go out and become a workaholic. Being a hustler's kick ass, I'm not gonna lie. But it's not the only way to keep yourself from the mall. If you're smarter than us workies, as, as mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, you'd fill your days with other productive use of your time instead. I want to go through a few of these, such as learning. You can learn anything with the internets these days. Didn't work that well for Len. He learned where the <laughs> new magic, improved magic eight ball is. But actually you went and took a class using the right. internet, I assume. And, and that didn't really work either.
5: Right. It's kind of what his list reminded me of is I have a phrase I called frugal joys. So using frugal joys would be a good strategy to save money because they're freer and expensive things that fill your time and make you happy that are based on like what makes you happy as an individual versus things like I did dinner, buying courses, doing workshops, going out, buying drinks, (laughs) the things that really add up.
0: Paula, that sounds a lot like you. And I wonder if you think that also resonates with you. And if I'm right, and it does, do you think about yourself being frugal when you're doing that stuff, or is it just stuff you've come to appreciate and you like doing?
3: I think it's just stuff that I, I like doing. I mean, the thing that I appreciate about the list in this article is that he talks about how there's a difference between being productive and working. And so all of these things that are productive, like learning or reading or decluttering your home, they give you a sense of satisfaction, like deep internal satisfaction. And to that extent, they're
0: enjoyable and, and productive. He's got uh, reading down.
4: Len, you a big reader? Yeah, I am. I'm a big reader. Yeah, mostly a nonfiction. Yeah. One thing I didn't see on the list, which is really productive too, doing things yourself, do-it-yourself projects. Not only are you saving money, but you're, you're not spending money, but you're saving money doing things that you would be paying somebody else to do.
0: Yeah, learning, like watching YouTube videos and learning how to fix things around the house, that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
5: Unless you damage them. And
3: then Right. I I'll jump in there and give the caveat to that, that there's a difference between doing a do-it-yourself project as an act of leisure versus doing it as an act of economic logic oftentimes the economic logic isn't necessarily there. When you look at the opportunity cost of spending that time working
0: at a side hustle,
3: But uh, if you're doing be... it as a form of leisure, that's yeah. totally
0: different. Yeah. A form of leisure, but there's the add on. I think Len, what you're talking about is there's this add on thing that you're also saving some money. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it's your it
5: feel good to look at something that you've created. to like, wow, I made that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you, and if you mess up with your, electricity you learn a valuable lesson (laughs) 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 a shockingly valuable (laughs) yeah getting outdoors and walking hiking soaking it in decluttering your house fixing stuff up exercising joining a sports rec league taking up intriguing hobbies writing drawing painting actually it's funny when i first became addicted to board games It was because my family in eighth grade decided to not buy a television because a TV was pretty Mm -hmm. expensive. We didn't think we needed it. My parents thought we could get better grades. Next thing you know, our grades are all straight A's and we're playing board games and card games together. And that's, you know, lasted from eighth grade to today. Writing, drawing, painting, giving back or volunteering. Anything that's missing, Ashley, from this list that uh, made your list? My list is 100. (laughs) Your list is, okay. Yes.
5: So there's a lot, but I think... Even like enjoying a nice glass of wine, a nice cup of coffee, um, where you're reading, if it's nice out reading outside, exploring a neighborhood. I think it's fun to test them out and see what works and actually brings you joy.
3: Paula, your favorite frugal joy? I would say being outdoors in any capacity, specifically uh, reading outdoors or taking a walk or going on a hike um, and anything that involves being outside. Len?
4: I, you know what I was going to say, well, gee, I love model railroading, but that's, that's not frugal. <laughs> so that's been costing me. So no, I, I think just, uh, I like surfing the net and just learning off the net. As long as I'm staying away from amazon.com is, but, but is model railroading a super expensive hobby? It
0: seems like it takes yes. so long to make oh those God, models. Yes. Is it yes. really?
4: Okay. Yes. Oh, I, I, you know, one of these days I, I can't, if I told you how much I've spent on it, you would, your jaw would drop. Wow. <laughs> but is it cool? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: pass us the cool thing. As long as it's cool, we're good. He says, your mission this week is to not spend a dime outside your work hours. I don't care what you do with yourself, but try and go and go an entire work week without spending a single thing. Do you put people through anything like that, Ashley, during your cleanse? In the
5: cleanse, in the first week, I have them list out all their expenses and categorize them into one of three buckets, frivolous need or not sure. And then I challenge them to let go of all frivolous spending for the seven days.
0: Gotcha. Paula, have you ever, I'm sure you've done something like this where you did a no spend week. No, I've never done anything like that. Mm -mm. Not just for, I I just thought you'd experiment and do it for fun. No, it sounds like the type of thing I would do, but I've never tried it. And not because you think there's necessarily some efficacy there. You know what I mean? You're like wasting time on not spending $2 on something, but just for a good time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm willing to try it. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Len, how about you? You and the honeybee decide to go a week without spending any money.
4: Oh yeah, back way back when, you know, when we first bought uh, this house, yes, we had we had many weeks where there was no spend weeks. Yes, but not lately. No. Those days are gone.
0: I had no, and I've, I've talked about this elsewhere, but I had back in the early days of my career when my credit was shot and I had credit card companies after me and just everything was a mess. We had no spend weeks, not because we didn't, we were trying to be good, but because there was no money to spend. <laughs> there was, there was nothing. I remember we took up bird watching just because, <laughs> just because it would kill the day. And that's I, a frugal joy. It, yeah. And I took this book from my parents' basement and uh, took it out. And we were learning all about what a cardinal, you know, versus a blue jay and all this stuff looks like. Just, a, to be out of the house when the creditor's called, and B, to <laughs> to make sure we didn't spend any money all afternoon. I'll link to this on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But uh, biggest takeaway from this, Paula?
3: I'd say be productive and find joy and satisfaction that comes out of productivity and do not conflate productivity with income-producing work because the two are different.
0: Uh, Len, your big takeaway?
4: Uh, If you can successfully keep yourself busy, you'll save money.
0: Ashley will give you the last word.
5: Mine is kind of similar thinking like filling your time with things that bring you joy that don't necessarily cost a lot of money will save you a lot of money.
0: increasingly intrigued by these investment opportunities that have a lot to do with not only making a good return, but also doing some good in your community. So when I heard about AHP servicing, I thought this would be interesting to learn about with you. Here on our Friday FinTech segment, we don't endorse any of the companies that come on here. They're just things I found interesting that I think that you and I can learn about together. So I'm super pleased that we're going to talk about helping people today who are struggling to stay in their house and at the same time maybe earning some money on an investment let's say hello to deanne o'donovan from ahp servicing and i'm my dad shortway from ahp servicing we have deanne o'donovan how are you I'm great, Joe. How are you? Well, I'm very good, and I think your company does such an, has such an important mission. But let's talk about this. Was the person that founded your company, were they in trouble themselves, or did they see an opportunity where a lot of people need help? Tell me the origin story of your company.
6: Yeah, terrific. So our company was originally founded as American Homeowner Preservation back in 2008 at the heights of the Great Recession. And it was founded by George Newberry, George had been in commercial and residential real estate, and he had an ice storm in his largest holding, uh, and that really devastated his holdings. So he avoided bankruptcy, but spent a lot of time trying to settle his debt. And based on what he learned through that experience, his brainchild was to start American Homeowner Preservation, buy loans at a discount that were defaulted, and then work with the homeowners to modify those loans and keep them in their home.
0: Nice. And in terms of success rate, keeping people in their home, you guys have been very successful doing that, I know.
6: Yeah, we have. So, you know, what we try to do is give our borrowers as many options as possible to give them the ability to be in the driver's seat. So we'll offer them the ability to modify their mortgage and stay in their home. We will offer them the ability to do a discounted payoff if they're able to refinance at a discount or we will look at doing a deed in lieu of foreclosure if they've already vacated the property or they want to get out from under the debt. Um, And then obviously we do need to foreclose sometimes that's a last resort. And so typically for the loans that we purchase, somewhere between 20 and 30 percent of the loans end up in foreclosure. And the balance of those loans, we're able to find a cooperative solution with the borrower.
0: Now, you work with uh, two different types of people listening to the show, people maybe that are struggling with their mortgage, and on the other side, people that might want to invest in helping people. So I want to talk to both of these groups, but let's start with people struggling. If somebody's listening and they're struggling, do they call you or do they end up with you somehow? Do you how, how, does that, how does that interfacing work if someone is listening and they're like, wow, I'm in trouble right now? Do they call you?
6: They only call us if we've already purchased their mortgage. Uh, we do get a lot of people reaching out to us asking us if we can buy their mortgage. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. We're typically buying large pools of mortgage. So I'm not able to call up you know, Chase or Wells and say, hey, I'd like to buy Mrs. Smith's mortgage. We're buying them in pools and then we're reaching out to those homeowners. So that's how it works on the borrower side. And then on the investor side, we're crowdfunded. So somebody will purchase an interest in our fund. They can buy in with as little as $100. And then we use that money to purchase the mortgages. And then we pay the investor a return of up to 10% per year.
0: Got it. So let's dive into that half then. So uh, for the average investor, you said it can be, it's a hundred dollars or more that people can buy into one of your funds. Let's talk about how those funds work. When I put a hundred dollars into a fund with you, what happens? Sure. So
6: they can set it all up online. We're a highly automated company. So they can either speak to somebody in our investor relations team, or they can just go to our website, make their investment. They have the opportunity to make repeat investments if they want to use this as a saving vehicle. And then we pay that 10% annual return in the form of a monthly distribution. So we'll either pay that to their bank account of choice, or um, oftentimes people like to reinvest and kind of roll that money forward so they get the value of compounding. And we have best efforts liquidity. So we try to have, you know, we have no lockup period, so the fund horizon is five years. So, Joe, if you were to invest $1,000, we use best efforts to return that principal of $1,000 within five years, no guarantees. But then we also use best efforts to, you know, if something changes three years from now and you need that $1,000 back we use best efforts to return that principal investment to you. And that's very unique in this industry. I'm not aware of any other crowdfunded alternative real estate company that does that.
0: No, I used to work with some close-ended REITs, like baby REITs. And getting your money out was incredibly difficult. And what they would do often when you could get your money out before whatever X period of time was, that principle, it was um, once a quarter, you know, that you could apply to get it out. Uh, There were certain time frames. Does it work that way?
6: No. So somebody can make a request to redeem at any time. You know, we target about 30 days to try to meet that liquidity request. We don't make any guarantee of that because obviously we're managing our own cash position and what mortgages we're purchasing and what we're selling and our monthly distributions and our operating needs, which is why we can't offer a guarantee. But we've never had, you know, historically, we've never had a problem meeting those requests.
0: Yeah, I've, I've also never heard of making that money available either. And it's funny because anybody listening to this, I mean, if you're buying real estate, whether it's through uh, something like AHP is offering here or a REIT or whatever it is, it's just still like buying, you're still buying real estate as the end deal. And think about this, if you buy a house, you can't like peel off the bathroom two years from now because because you have a short-term liquidity need. So I would think going into it, you would think you said five years at a time usually?
6: Yes, and that's what we put in our SEC offering statement that we'll use best efforts liquidity to return it in five years. I've taken a look at our prior funds, and on average, we're returning it within four to four and a half years.
0: Now, the dividends in a lot of real estate investments, obviously, you start off with a pool of cash, and then you purchase these mortgages. Do you see then the dividend return that you give to investors? Do we see that kind of notch up as the fund gets older and older?
6: No. So the way we do it is a little bit different. We pay our investors before we pay ourselves. So we'll use cash flow from operations to first pay that return of up to 10% per year. And then the company gets any profit after that.
0: Gotcha. And then th- that was my next question is, how do you guys get paid? And, and, it's, and you explained that it's after that, but how?
6: We would then, you know, let's say that the fund makes a 15% return for the entire year, we would pay out that 10% and that 5% would then be our profit margin. And, you know, we're making a profit when we, you know, we might buy a non-performing loan, modify the loan, season it and get it paying and then resell that as a re-performing loan. So, we would make a profit on that because a reperforming loan that's paying obviously is worth more than a loan that's not paying. You know, when we take properties back as REO and we sell them, we would typically, you know, make a profit on that as well. And we're buying, you know, hundreds of loans to thousands of loans so that you also get that portfolio effect. And I think for potential investors in the fund, that's a really important distinction because a lot of the real estate alternatives. They're not buying something that's diversified, right? They might buy a fractional share in a single property, or they might buy a few where maybe they have investments, fractional investments in five or 10 assets, but we're buying thousands of loans. And so, you know, nobody is going to make a profit on every single asset that they buy. So when you get that portfolio effect, it really smooths out your earnings.
0: You know, it's funny because you mentioned a couple times returns of of up to 10%, which everybody listening, I think, would think what I think, which is that's an awesome return. But there's obviously no such thing as a free lunch, too. I mean, people got to know what they're getting into. There has to be, Deanne, I would think, for that type of return, a little bit of risk here.
6: There is a little bit of risk. I actually think our investment is less risky than investing in the actual real estate because, you know, when you're investing in the, in the real estate, you're typically investing at whatever that market value is today. When we're buying a distressed asset where the loan has defaulted, the loan is typically being purchased at less than the value of the underlying real estate. So that's kind of a nice hedge or cushion to mitigating that downside risk.
0: Got it. You're buying, I mean, not even on sale, you've got the value of the property that's higher than what you're paying for the note.
6: Right. So let me give you an example. We might have a loan with a principal balance of $100,000 that hasn't made a payment in two years. We might buy that loan for thirty dollars or $40,000. Our goal is obviously to get the loan paying. But let's say in that particular instance, we take a deed in lieu of foreclosure. Well, when we do the due diligence to buy that loan, we get a BPO on the underlying collateral. So when we're purchasing that loan, we would already know we're buying it for $40,000. The
0: yeah, underlying
6: collateral is 60.
0: What is a what does a BPO mean? Because oh, you, you lost me there. You do this okay. every day and we don't.
6: Yeah, thank you for, for <laughs> asking that question. I try not to use acronyms, but every once in a while one slips out. So that's a broker's price opinion. It's basically think of it as a light appraisal. It's typically done by either an appraisal company or a real estate broker. And so we'll find out what the value is of that underlying collateral. Before we buy the loan got so it. that we can mitigate our risks.
0: Yeah. So you have an idea of what you're getting into is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Got you. Okay. And then you said some people, when they finish up the four to five years years, and the commitment period is over, they then are able to then just automatically reinvest.
6: So with our funds, they're reggae offerings. So they're regulated by the SEC. And so we have a two year offering period. So our most recent fund launched in November of last year. So that'll be open to investors for two years or until we hit 50 million in investments, then it will close and then we'll return, we'll make best efforts to return principal within five years of your individual investment versus five years of the fund closing.
0: Got you. And is it open to all investors or is this only open to accredited investors, Deanne?
6: I'm so glad that you asked that. We're open to both accredited and non-accredited investors. And we do that deliberately because we've had borrowers and other folks like that, that, you know, we've been able to help who want to pay it forward by investing in one of the offerings. And so, you know, we take those extra steps to be available to non-accredited investors. And, you know, it's also more administratively burdensome, if you will, to take an investment of as little as a hundred dollars. But we do that because we really believe that too often these types of investments are only open to accredited investors.
0: Yeah. The site is ahpservicing.com. Is that where people go if they want more information? Yes. Awesome. Well, I like this idea, Deanne, of helping people at the same time as, uh, I guess, somebody said once to me, doing well while you're doing good. I think that's uh, that's a lot of fun thanks a lot for hanging out with us for a few minutes and explaining AHP servicing to us. Joe.
6: thanks
2: so much for having me on the show. Hey there, trivia nerds and by nerds, I pretty much mean if you're still listening, you are the cool kids at the lunch table. Anyway, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and who had the brilliant idea to move this show a thousand miles North. So freaking cold up here. How cold is it? I'll tell you how cold. It is so cold, someone spilled hot coffee on me and I faked them. It is so cold the politicians up here have their hands in their own pockets. It is so cold that I can't even get into a heated argument with OG about his mom. I'm telling you, it's cold! Well, one thing that's fun about being cold in the cold weather is cold weather sports. And over in the Catskills in the 1950s and 60s, on today's date in 1965, Kenneth LaBelle, on ice skates, broke the barrel jumping record. That's a thing? Okay. Hey, here's today's question. How many barrels did he jump? I'll be back with the answer and maybe a space heater in just a moment.
0: You never thought we'd do barrel jumping on ice, did you, Ashley? (laughs) No,
5: I thought it'd be something that I'd look dumb for not knowing the right answer to some hard trivia, but this, I don't know if I could be expected to know.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say, but it's barrel jumping and that's my favorite sport. <laughs> and I know everything about barrel jumping.
5: How uh, big are these barrels?
0: Of course I know how much, uh, Kenneth LaBelle jump. I don't know the answer to that. What I do know though, is this, we don't have any record recording of him doing that one, but we do have a recording of his previous record the year before. And by the way, for people listening to the show at a long time, they think we're about to play some spoof thing. This is this is not a spoof. <laughs> this actually is the the recording of him setting it the year before. So let's let's listen. This is him winning the 14th annual barrel jump championship in Grossinger, New York, one year earlier.
1: Jumping for joy at this resort in the Catskills as 20 high-flying speedsters take off after the world's barrel-jumping title. This is the 14th annual event to be held at Grossinger's, and most of the contestants stay in the running as more and more barrels are added to the original 11. Now there are 16 in line, and that means a jump of at least 28 feet to clear them all. Alert the first aid stations. Montreal does pretty well, but his second jump is short, and the Canadian settles for second place. Sixteen is an unlucky number for most of the contestants. Gerald LeCour of Quebec City counts himself out. That leaves it up to Kenneth LaBelle, defending champion from Lake Placid, New York. His theme is, roll out the barrels, I'm hot today. He's the only one to clear the sixteen obstacles, and he takes the trophy home for another year. Marianne Mobley, a former Miss America, does the honors. And that in itself was worth jumping for. Hey, Kim. 1964,
0: we got to end everything with a little sexism. (laughs) Right, right, Right at the end of the newsreel. We have to have that. So 16 Barrels the year before was the record. He broke the record the following year. Ashley, you're playing on behalf of OG, who is in last place with zero so far. Paula has a win. Len has a win in 2019. So would you like to guess first, second, or third? I think I'll go first. All right. Paula, would you like to get, well, actually Paula won last week, which means Len gets to decide next.
4: Well, then I'm going to take last.
0: Deal. And so Paula, you're going in the middle. So Ashley, it was 16 barrels a year earlier. How many barrels did he jump this time?
5: I'm gonna guess 17 barrels. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much room for improvement there is in barrel jumping each year, but <laughs> I
0: think there might have been some technological innovation. Just who knows? All right, all right, Paula, you're second. Ashley's got well, 17 I, locked in.
3: I I don't mean to be a jerk, but I guess I'm gonna Ashley guess 17. I'm gonna guess 18. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because I I agree. I don't think that you could really advance more than about a barrel a year.
0: I mean, in your experience of barrel jumping, (laughs) how could you do more than a barrel a year? Right. Len, we got 17 and 18.
4: Well, you know, this could be a trick question. Did you say he broke the record the following year? I guess you didn't say anything, did you? He he broke the record. Yes. Oh, he did break the record. Doug said he broke the record. Yes. I was going to say, because, hey, he may may have only cleared 12 or something. Oh, okay. Well.
0: He cleared more barrels. Well, geez,
4: this is. This is a no-brainer then. If if uh, Ashley said seventeen and Paula said eighteen, then I'm gonna say nineteen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have we have so many dumb trivia segments. This might have he
4: got like thirty. Might
0: might want to pick a better up.
4: question. <laughs> might have
0: been the best one yet. Uh, I'm stressed. Shocking guesses. I'm All right, stressed. let's let you guys stew on that for a second. We'll be right back. <laughs> Well, big thanks to Masterworks for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Just like Stacky Benjamins is a unique show in the financial community, Masterworks is a unique investing platform because you have an opportunity to invest in some of the greatest works of art ever. In fact, when I go to masterworks.io and I look under active offerings, let's take a look right now. How about Andy Warhol? Currently active as a Colored Maryland reverse series from 1979. And I think you probably know who Andy Warhol is, but they explain there exactly what it is, how much they paid, and then performance of similar works in the past. You could buy a Claude Monet Coup de Vaughan, I think is how you pronounce that, from 1881. If you like art, you've seen this piece before. Once again, it shows the pre-purchase appraisal, what they paid, performance of similar works. And I think right there you can see what Masterworks is. It's the first art investment platform that allows you to invest in the world's most valuable paintings. The Masterworks Resource Center has been created for investors to read Masterworks research and industry reports. Let's say that you're not interested in art like I am. You're much more like Len Penzo, who is very little on his walls. Well, this is This is what's interesting about fine art. Fine art has outperformed the S&P by over 180% since the year 2000. Arts exhibited strong risk-adjusted returns over the last 20 to 50 years. Blue chip art, which is defined as the top 100 artist, that's outperformed the S&P 500 by more than 250% without dividend reinvestment or 180% with dividend reinvestment between 2000 and the end of 2017. Art is one of the least correlated asset classes to the stock market, making it a great way to diversify. It's uncorrelated with other investable art classes in the last 40 years. Art, cash, and the 10-year U.S. Treasury note, those three asset classes have the lowest correlation with U.S. financial markets. According to a recent study by Deloitte, 88% of wealth managers now recommend including art and collectibles in one's investment portfolio. I remember, by the way, when I was a financial planner, I didn't recommend art and it wasn't because I didn't want to get into it. It's because this Andy Warhol painting, I would have had to go out and buy back in the day. Cue all the Joe old guy stories. But the cool thing is, is instead of paying just over $1.8 million for this Andy Warhol, now that's split among many different investors and you and I can now take part in an asset class that we didn't have access to in the past. Here's how to read more about the active offerings currently head to masterworks.io and look under active offerings that's masterworks.io visit masterworks.io to reserve your shares also see the disclaimer also at masterworks.io forward slash disclaimer so ashley you've got 17 how you feeling about that one i'm really stressed doing Um, now i'm nervous doing og proud no maybe i hope we'll see Paula, 18. You think he's over two more barrels? He's over the <laughs> barrel twice?
3: Well, I'm, I mean, that would be a, an improvement of what? 1.125%.
0: I can tell from his voice right now that Len thinks he's totally over the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, of all the types to go last. Right. All right, Doug, what's the answer?
2: Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And in case I didn't make myself crystal clear, it is freezing in here. How cold is it, you ask? Here's how cold it is the optician in town is giving away free ice scrapers with every new pair of glasses. It is so cold, I chipped a tooth on my soup. It is so cold, Joe's mom's teeth are chattering in the glass. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't think that she would care anyway all right let's get you to today's trivia answer shall we especially now that joe has just made it a ton easier did i ask for help i don't think so here was the question kenneth labelle on ice skates broke the barrel jumping record here's today's question how many barrels did he jump While a year earlier, you heard that he jumped 16 barrels. On today's date, in 1965, he jumped way more, like 17 barrels. Speaking of jump, time for me to jump on upstairs and apologize to Joe's mom before she cuts me out of tonight's dinner plans. See ya! Yay! Ashley, that was a smooth
4: move going first. That was one of the first times it actually paid to go first. And what
0: you, usually going last is the big winner. So hey, good
3: for stuff. you. Now we know I, feel, I feel happy too because I had I completely agreed with you. Right. We had a strategy.
5: We knew there weren't any
0: innovations. The good news, Ashley, we give you for being the winner, we give you a 20% raise over what you were already being paid for, to be here. So congratulations.
4: I think OG owes you a cupcake.
0: I think OG totally does. <laughs> Owe oh, you a cupcake. Hey, guess what? There's, uh, there's somebody who needs our help, guys. Uh, we're going to have the Magnify Money helpline segment call right now. Magnify Money, where you can easily compare, ditch, switch, and save. You know, over 92% of the products out there online, Ashley, are found at magnifymoney.com. Did you know that?
5: I did not know that.
0: Isn't that amazing? Where you can very easily compare checking accounts, savings accounts, play the credit card reward game. If you're somebody who's already done the challenge, they've already done the cleanse... They already understand how to manage their money and they pay off their credit cards. If you don't know how to pay off your credit card and you haven't done that yet, don't play the credit card reward game. Instead, go to Magnify Money to look to pay less interest to the man. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney for more so you can compare, ditch, switch, and save. And today we're going to help out Paul on the Magnify Money line. Say hi, Paul.
4: Hi, John OG. I'm Paul from London. And here's my scenario. I have recently learned that a new company is offering shares for £150 each. I expect the company's share price to rise to approximately £1,000 within months. So here's my question. Do I use money I have immediately available, which is £3,000, to buy 20 shares, or take a loan of £10,000 and buy approximately 70 shares? Thanks, your advice would be much appreciated. And I never learned anything from this show. I'll try and keep stacking
1: Benjamins.
0: Thank you, Paul. What are they they wouldn't call it though, Paul. A stacking Benjamins in London. Y- you'd be stacking Elizabeths. Yeah, stacking Elizabeths. I think. Yeah, right. But <laughs> but
3: thanks St- for the, stacking her Majesty. <laughs> staking,
0: <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I mean. Uh, Len, let's start with you. Paul's wondering he's got this great opportunity. New stock sounds like an IPO. Does he use his available money or does he, uh, go big and take a loan and apply some leverage?
4: Yeah, that's, uh, well, I'd, I'd like to know how he knows for sure that this thing's going to go to a thousand. I, you know, it, <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. You know, me, Mr. Risk-Free, I, I would, I would never buy on margin to, uh, try and uh, leverage something like that, especially if you don't know. I don't know how he knows for sure that this thing's going to go to a thousand because it could just as well go to 50. So, uh, I would not borrow money. Um, by the way, Paul, you know, Paul, I didn't really, when, as soon as I heard Paul, I was like, this is the guy that works on my navigate. He's on my navigation on my car. <laughs> Same-
0: he's you've got your say, the British setting. You've got, the, <laughs> you got the UK guy.
4: Yeah. He's the UK guy on my, I mean, perfect.
0: Yeah. Paul, we're on to you. We know what your day job is. <laughs> <laughs> we know Why you. I have
5: boy band one on.
4: You do?
0: <laughs> it sings <laughs> the direction. Cheryl has one on her car which is the Australian guy and uh and she calls him Lee and I think she made up that name. But but anyway, Lee when when we lived in Texas there were these roads which were FM like FM 42, FM 185 which is farm to market road. Lee because he's in Australia goes, "Take a left at Federated States of Micronesia 421." <laughs> <laughs> It always made driving around Texas feel like we're, you know, in in the uh, Pacific. It was really nice, but but anyway.
3: But if he... quick jump in, yes. Oh. So there's one in which they use the voice of Homer Simpson as the navigation, and if you take the uh, correct turn, he goes woohoo, and if you take a wrong turn, he goes don't don't. Oh. <laughs>
0: it's so awesome. I always thought there should be one. Well, actually you, you live in New York. I always thought there should be like the rude New Yorker. It's like, Hey man, where the f are you going? <laughs> That'd be a great one. We need that one.
4: The so- Homer Simpson one, I'd be making wrong turns on purpose just so I could be here in <laughs> dough all day. Right.
0: I could see the honeybee yelling at you for that. <laughs> just drive there, Len. Just, just two more wrong turns. But if he does know for sure, Len, you know, and he can keep a secret, it sounds like the loan he wants to take isn't big enough. Wouldn't he take all the money he could
4: possibly get his hands on? Well, of course, if you know, but you don't know. I mean, my goodness, I, you know, if you're positive, then go for it. But just be be wary of the risks. That's all. Ashley, I'd like, you know me, I'm Mr. Risk-Free. So, Well, Ashley, what do you
0: think? Should he take a risk here?
5: I was a little in the too-good-to-be-true boat as well. And I was like, is this some insider trading? How do you know um, what's going to happen here? And also, even with the cash he had available, was curious if he already had his rainy day fund or what the goal was with the amount of money that he's going to use for it. Because like um, Len mentioned, it could go down. It could go technically to zero.
0: Good point. So if it's his last $3,000, you wouldn't do that either. Right. Or 3,000 pounds in this case. I'm sorry. So I have a lot of questions. Well, and you worked on Wall Street. Have you ever heard of something that's a sure thing where you're not going away in handcuffs? I I haven't. Paula, how about you?
3: Never invest an amount of money that you're not willing to lose. And so the problem with taking out a loan is that if you're wrong and this stock drops instead of rises, now you're on the hook for paying that back. So you'll end up worse off if you take a loan and things don't go the way that you expect them to. So I absolutely would not take a loan. And, and I agree with you, Ashley. I also would only invest that initial 3000 if you can survive losing it.
0: I like the way the engineers think in this case, Len, which I believe the way that you guys operate the way engineers operate is you first examine all the things that could possibly go wrong, even if you think they're not going to go wrong and you try to eliminate all those things. Isn't that true?
4: Yep. That's true. And I was just about to say belt and suspenders, but um, sometimes it depends. Sometimes we will do without the belt and suspenders if it's, if uh, people aren't involved people's safety, but yeah, so uh, you got to check what can go wrong. And I'm telling you, if that stock goes to 50, and I think the word is quid, isn't it? Don't the British call uh, their their money quid? 50 quid. If it goes to 50 quid instead of 1000 quid, you've really screwed the pooch. <laughs> <laughs> is that a British because saying? You just borrowed you've just borrowed 10,000 quid or whatever you're going to borrow and the stock just went down by half and you are really hurting. So, my thing is
0: though, I can see Paul yelling at his device right now going, "No, no, no." I don't know, but I know, you know, I'm sure that this isn't going to go badly. And I've had people in my office when I was a financial planner that said that, no, 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 I know this is going to go great. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah. let's say it doesn't. I mean, something crazy happens. Let's say it doesn't. Yeah. What would you do if you lost all this money? And then we end up having a completely different discussion.
4: Absolutely. And that's, but Paul needs to look at that. He really needs to, he we will go back to what Paul said too, is you got to go back and look can you afford to lose that money you're borrowing? Let's just assume it goes to stock, goes to zero. Can you afford it and not not be sick about it? I hadn't thought
0: about the fact this might be his cash reserve, too. This might be his emergency fund, actually. I mean, that's that's a little scary. You get rid of every dollar, every every pound. I'm going to do that over and over. Every,
5: every pound. Yeah, every that's where kid. I went because he was talking about if he wanted to
0: invest more, he would be borrowing. Yeah, that's stuff. Paula, you're in Vegas. I am in
3: Vegas, yes. Low cost of living and no state income tax. I highly recommend it.
0: But that was the most un-Vegas answer I've ever heard.
3: (laughs) What, the don't gamble answer? Yeah, you should have.
0: You know what I believe? I believe you just put it on black, right? Uh, (laughs) Thanks for the question, Paul. If you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. You know what's cool? Paul's taking home the greatest money show on earth t-shirt, which is... Just an awesome Brad Lark design. Steck of Benjamins.com forward slash voicemail. That's gonna do it for today, guys. Let's find out what's happening where you all live. Ashley, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. So, where do people find the book?
5: Everywhere. And also the fiscalfem.com.
0: I saw a photo of you with your book like in a in a bookstore window. How cool is that? It was so cool. It was a very surreal moment. That is that that is awesome. And then at fiscalfem.com, that's not the only thing going on there is the book. What else do you have happening there because you have always have something fun happening at your website? Yes. So the book actually
5: came from a course or a program that I have. So the next one of those is launching on February 25th. So you can take the money cleanse with the book and then join for
0: the course. Awesome. And we'll link to the physical fam and we'll also link to the book and our show notes page at StackyBedgemans.com. Paula, what's happening at afford anything at affordanything.com,
3: the website, we have rolled out a big new web design. At least I'm hoping that by the time the show airs, we will have <laughs> <laughs> knock on wood. If you say it
0: out loud, it will happen.
3: <laughs> Wait, can we ask the magic eight ball?
0: Yeah. That's a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Len, by the time this show airs, no, 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 will not I Len. Not Len.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Magic Eight Ball. <laughs> by the time this show airs, will I have rolled out my website redesign?
1: Definitely yes. Yay!
2: <laughs> I got to say,
0: Len, this this Eight Ball's exactly like the damn last one. Where the second we start asking his stuff, it's like, yeah, sure. Everything yeah.
1: points to yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a very positive eight ball. It is incredible.
4: It runs in the family, it I
0: guess. Does. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is definitely learned from its older brother or sister. I don't know. Eight balls. I don't know. Uh, Len, What's happening, Len, at the, oh, oh, the podcast? We didn't talk about the podcast, Paula. What's going on there?
3: On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an interview with Cal Newport where he talks about digital minimalism, which is a philosophy of technology use that's very minimalistic. It's about only using the few apps that offer the highest benefit rather than cluttering your phone with apps. And he actually ties it into the FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early movement. How does he do that? Tune into the Afford Anything podcast oh, to find out. Oh,
0: look at that little hook. <laughs> 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 Not her first rodeo. Uh, So did you just say that minimalism, digital minimalism has a lot to do with minimalism? Did you say that sentence? Uh, That
3: digital minimalism has a lot to do with fire, with the fire movement. Oh,
0: I thought you said digital minimalism has a lot to do with minimalism. I'm like, well, that's why it's in the name. I I don't know. It also has tons to do with digital. Yes, (laughs) it has lots to do with digits.
4: Yes. Uh, Len, what's going on at that amazing LenPenzo.com? You know, Joe, first off, I, I appreciate me going last, but sometimes it's really it's really hard to follow. You know, I had to follow somebody who's got a book published, and she's <laughs> off in the bookstore. Then I got to follow another accomplished woman who's got a big website redesign, and she's got a <laughs> podcast. And now you're going to ask me what I've got. And now I'm going to have to tell you, and this is going to sound so stupid. Uh, this is really probably a bad choice to let me go last, but I'll tell you. I have an article <laughs> that I worked so hard on. If I was king, how would credit cards actually work? So I know that's really, uh, just sounds really impressive after what we just heard from the two ladies here, but, uh, that's all I've got. And I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I want to read it better next time. Great.
0: <laughs> Knowing you though, Len, they would work a little differently than they do currently. Oh
4: yeah. Yeah. Slightly. <laughs> I can't wait help, to read Joe. it. It's still, it's still not mm-hmm. enough. <laughs>
0: I'm just we're all dancing, man. We're all trying to help. Yeah. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today?
2: So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Ashley Feinstein Gerstley and get creative when it comes to stopping yourself from spending money. Maybe J Money from Budgets Are Sexy has a good point. Keep yourself busy with free activities that you love and you might find your budget cleans itself up in a hurry. Second, struggling to stay in your house? Maybe working with a company like AHP Servicing is in your future. At the very least, finding help from people who are experts in the problem area you're currently dealing with can help you get much further down the road, often at little or no cost. But the big lesson... Do not expect Len Penzo to know how many barrels anybody can jump. That guy's in Southern California. Now, if it were like surfboards or like suntan bottles or something, I don't know how how many surfboards could I jump, huh? Or sharks? I could jump the sharks so easily. Or maybe like beach volleyball players from that Top Gun scene. Hmm. Or maybe people wearing like Mickey Mouse ears. Or wow, the possibilities are endless. Special thanks to Ashley feinstein Gerstley for joining us. You'll find her new book, The 30-Day Money Cleanse, wherever books are sold. Thanks also to Deanne O'Donovan from AHP Servicing for stopping by. You'll find out more at AHPServicing.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. And special thanks to Len Penzo from LenPenzo.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihi, produced by Richie Rutter Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at, at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on happy days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks. But like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
4: Would you like to ask another question of the talking magic eight ball?
3: Yes. Um, Will I hit my revenue goals this
1: year? Everything points to yes.
5: (laughs) Nice.
4: (laughs) That sounds like Zoltar down at the arcade. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even heard everything he says. There's supposedly there's thirty different responses, and I think I've only heard about ten of them. I think you just got ripped off. This is
3: a really good use of money.
0: Welcome to the after show. Ashley, this is the part of the show that doesn't exist. Just so you know, the rules, what (laughs) happens in the after show stays in the after show. We don't talk about it. And we've had, we've had people that have been on here, by the way, we had a guest on about a month ago who we explained the rules to. And then she immediately goes on social media was like, we had a most hilarious after show. And it was funny because our fans were like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) You can't talk about it. So just, just, I won't get angry. My posse will get angry. Just just so you know. We have secret safe. We have people, Ashley. We have people <laughs> who will follow up. You'll get a knock on your door. No. Uh, you know what? We talked about spending less money today with Jay Money's budgets are sexy article. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about mistakes, right? I mean, we do things that are so great all the time, and everybody online is always showing everyone how great they are. I thought it'd be neat to show the other side that even people who are great with money sometimes look back and go, what the hell did I spend money on? Like a magic eight ball that talks or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I am just curious before we start, Len. Yes. How much was it? The eight ball? Yes.
4: I think it was 12 bucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally worth it. Totally. totally. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 12 bucks is below the meter. You're like, okay, that's, that's great. We will clearly get $12 worth of entertainment. We should reimburse you that 12 bucks. Cause, <laughs> okay. cause we're going to use the crap out of that eight ball. Uh, who would like to go first? Ashley, you have a story for us?
5: I do. I actually, I could take a lot of time on stories. <laughs> I you have a bottle of wine, some a few hours. And there we to- go but one that was really bad where I spent too much money. I remember when I was an intern in my investment banking job one night, I went out with my friends and I got us all bottle service. Just me.
0: I just paid for it myself. You just paid for full bottles of wine for everybody.
5: No, like a bottle, a bottle of vodka at a club that was, it was $500. Oh my God. I was 21 and I remember I called my dad the next day to brag and he was like, wow, that was so stupid. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, that was really stupid.
0: Were you bragging to him at the time that $500 was cool? Like you're like, Hey, yeah, guess what? I, I spent five. 500- yeah. Cause you're a baller.
5: I'm a baller and I had my own money and it was not his. And, I, um, uh, yeah, that was put me right down to size. That was really dumb. And then I realized it was so dumb.
0: I took people out to dinner one time. I thought we were going Dutch street and it turned out we weren't. And there's those awkward moments where, where you realize that you're picking up the check. And then you're like, I would have never ordered that bottle of wine if I wouldn't have known we weren't splitting it.
5: (laughs) Who ordered the Caesar salad? (laughs)
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paula, how about you?
3: Mm. So my mistake was uh, an order of magnitude larger and then multiply that by three. So mine was that our triplex, uh the very first rental property that that I ever bought. Uh we made the mistake of trying to do the renovation as cheaply as humanly possible. And part of that meant living there while it was being renovated. And to put this in perspective, what that meant, like when we demoed that, we ripped out everything. So there was no stove. There was no refrigerator. There was no. There was only one source of running water in the entire home, and it was the tap of a bathtub. So there was no shower. There were no sinks. The only way to access running water was through the bathtub, uh, which you wouldn't need anyway because there's no stove or fridge. So um, wait but, a minute. But if you
0: hold on, I'm gonna stop you yeah. for just one second. Mm-hmm. So earlier in the show, you said you haven't like not spent any money in a week. But then you've done this. Yeah,
3: <laughs> like, I know, right? Like,
0: I, I've never spent a week not spending any money, but I have lived in a place with no running water and maybe only <laughs> half the walls.
3: Yeah, exactly. It had half the walls. It had mice running through it. And literally, this is how bad it got. We didn't have floors. We, we had stripped out the floor and we were down to the subfloor underneath. So I'm living, and I work from home, right? So I'm there 24-7 in this triplex that that literally does not have floors. It's completely uninhabitable. And I was so angry about the fact that I was living there for, you know, months as this renovation was going on. Like, I was so angry and upset about it, about the fact that we didn't just spend the $500 a month that it would take to rent some like college student apartment, (laughs) that when I made renovation related decisions, like when I was deciding how nice to upgrade the bathroom and the kitchen, I made it as nice as possible in order to emotionally validate all of the stress that I had to go through. And so we probably spent honestly, an extra of 15,000 above what we needed to from the perspective of people creating a rental property. Oh, no. Because I just wanted, I i was so angry and upset about, not angry, but just upset. Yeah. And like, I just wanted to emotionally validate the struggle. We used and, to. We- and I did that in the form of really fancy beveled granite edges. <sighs>
0: We used to warn people about that, Paula, in financial planning. People yeah. would, would come in and they'd start working with my team and I, and they'd be so excited about the financial plan, they would decide to do a starvation diet. Like not a 30-day money cleanse, but like a complete starvation diet. And they do it for like six weeks. And whenever they did that, within six weeks, they go, oh, you know, what? we've done so great. Let's celebrate by buying a big screen TV, you know, and they blow the, or worse, a boat. And that wasn't my client, but there was somebody's client who bought a boat, took all the money they were saving and started making payments on a boat.
3: Mm, yeah. When the pendulum swings too far in one direction, it will then swing equally as far in the other. Every action has an
0: equal and opposite reaction. Mine's- Restriction. Yes. doesn't work. <laughs> Mine's back like Ashley's. Mine involves alcohol. So, <laughs> I wasn't buying $500 bottles of wine, but uh, Cheryl and I, for our 10th anniversary, We went to Paris and then we didn't have much time because our kids were doing a bunch of stuff. So for our 15th anniversary, we went to the Paris hotel in Vegas. And then for our 20th anniversary, our kids were in like a swim meet. So we did like an overnight stay in hot Springs, Arkansas, like right up the road from our house. Very incredible. But we were having a good time and there was this uh, bar that had been a speakeasy there called the Ohio club. We went there and Cheryl's not a big drinker. And they made this drink that she fell in love with. And by four o'clock in the afternoon, we were absolutely hammered, just completely hammered. And for people that have never been to Hot Springs, probably most people listening, there are not only just the baths with the Hot Springs there in the National Park, there's a bunch of art galleries. So speaking, (laughs) speaking of art, we go buy some fairly significant art when we're hammered. (laughs) And the next morning we have to go pick it up and I have a splitting headache and I realize how much money we spent on art. By the way, it was fantastic art and we still own it, but we went to our house in Texarkana. We had nowhere to hang it. Like we had, we seriously didn't even think about where we were going to put this art. It was just this beautiful stuff. So you know where the most expensive art by far in our house hung over the toilet (laughs) in the bathroom over the toilet was the most expensive by far art in our house. And every time I would go to the bathroom, I remember just how horrible, just a horrible lesson. Do not drink and buy art. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Len, you got to have something.
4: Well, you know what? I cheated. So, you know, I did write about this and I, so I went back to my article, the 10 worst things I ever bought. And I'm looking here and it's, it's jogging my memory. So, Uh, I'll just name, there's a couple things. There's some obvious ones, but one of them was, and this is true, it's a whirlpool tub that when you, you know, when you buy a house, it's a brand new house and they have these quote upgrades, Hey, get a whirlpool tub, you know, here, we'll put the whirlpool tub. in. it was $600 at the time. This was 20 years ago, 22 years ago, that whirlpool tub was the biggest disaster we ever bought. I spent $600 on it and I wish I regretted it. I, I couldn't wait to get that thing out of the house. So that was a mistake. But one of the other things on here, and this is so true. I rented the good German, the video, the good German with, uh, with um, what's his name? A George Clooney for a buck that, you know what? That was the worst buck I ever spent (laughs) in my life.
0: The $12 on the magic eight ball is way better. (laughs) Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is,